Hey guys, thank you again for listening to another episode of All About That Base. The past few episodes haven't been filled with that much information because there hasn't been that many things going on in um, baseball. But now with summer camp starting, there's a lot more, uh, I guess, hoopla. Starting with some of the storylines in the AL Central, we're gonna talk about the White Sox and the Rays and the Orioles randomly. In the AL West, we're gonna be talking about the A's, which, you know, if you know me, they're one of my secret faves. Sydney's gonna give a preview to the Pirates season. And she's also gonna give us a rundown on the players who have been opting out of the season due to COVID. And then we also have a really cool interview with Jessica Kleinschmidt from NBC Sports. She is an amazing writer, an amazing journalist. I feel like she's just, she had so much advice, kind of like how my past interviews have been, really about what it takes to you know, make it in this industry, how to get a job in this industry, and kind of what goes on behind the scenes, you know, when you're applying to these jobs. So it was a really cool conversation. I love Jessica. She's really, really sweet. I just really wanted to have her on the podcast and show you guys how amazing she is. So that's going to be a little bit later. Starting with the AL West, I think, okay, and just so you guys know, this is purely opinion based. I'm not what's his name? I'm not like Ken Rosenthal or whatever. I have no breaking information. I have no inside scoop, but this is what I think. I've been watching baseball all my life, all teams, even though Dodgers are my team, but you know, I love baseball and these are my opinions. So if you don't want to listen to my opinions then just turn this off, but so starting with the AL West, I think my team to watch would be the A's. And if you know me, you know I'm obsessed with the A's. Like, they're so fun to watch. I genuinely believe that they're going to be a threat to the AL West if they can pass the Astros, which they have a good chance of doing because of the shortened schedule. So they're going to be having more home games in Oakland, and and those games are going to be against the Astros. So they're going to be playing the Astros at home. And not only that, but they're not going to be having to face Cole, and they've already seen Verlander. So... I don't know. I just think that with them, with Chapman, one of the best third basemen, all of the leagues, plus Matt Olson, fast brother number two, I just see them going pretty far. I feel like those are the teams where you're going to look at them and be kind of surprised when it comes down to the wire. But then again, it comes down to the pitching. They have Luzardo and Puck, which are two power lefties, and they also have Fears. So I'm interested to see if they can pull that together to make a stronger bullpen. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think their bullpen was the strongest, but hey, they got to the wild card. So you know that it's there. And so I think that with the power that they had last year, I feel like they could only go up. And so, like I said, with this shortened season, I feel like if they just come out of the gates running and as long as they have their bullpen, like, really competitive that they can stand a chance. And so in the AL Central, I think that the team to watch would be definitely the White Sox. We all know that Tim Anderson provides just like the most epic power. He's so much fun to watch. Him and Eloy Jimenez, when I was watching them earlier at spring training, they're absolutely dominating it. So I know that they were coming into the season red hot and 
And I don't see any reason why they won't just keep that up. And they also added Yasmani Grandal, which I totally forgot forgot about, and Dallas Keuchel, two former World Series. They both of them have been to the World Series, so I feel like that's going to be really big on them. I know at spring training, Yasmani Grandal did really really well. So, and I know that they are totally at the cusp. Like I know maybe not a lot of people <laughs> will agree with me on that, but I definitely think that they're a team to watch. Again, with the bullpen, I don't. I think, I mean, with Keuchel, you never know. He's like a seasoned pitcher. He's a very good pitcher. I'm pulling for them. I think that they're going to have a really good hot start to the season, and I think that they could keep that up through the 60 games. So in the AL East, one of my faves, the Rays. I have been on the Rays train or Rays fandom, Rays I've been a Rays fan. I don't know. I don't know why, but I just stand them. And their depth is insane system in baseball. So if anything were to go wrong with a sickness or an injury, it's not hard to get a really good player to come up. And their bullpen, it's nine guys deep, including Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, and Charlie Morton. So Charlie Morton, I don't if I mean I know I remember, but he was the last strikeout of the 2018 World Series against the Dodgers. I believe that was him. No, 2017. I don't know. He was involved somehow. And I just, I PTSD from that. So I just, I don't remember. But I do know that he's a very good pitcher. And so it's going to be, and I, yeah. And they have power hitters as well. Meadows and Choi have always been my favorites. I love Choi at first base as well. And yeah, I feel like their postseason run last year, obviously they didn't, advance but they had a really really good run against the Astros so I feel like I don't know I feel like a lot of people would agree with me on that I feel like the Rays are definitely going to be like they're going to be up there and if they're not don't come for me because this is just my opinion (laughs) also odd news from the AL East the Orioles want to sign Puig hmm Interesting. I mean, on the one hand, I just want Puig to play. But on the other hand, it's like, why is he not already signed? It's odd to me. He did so well, obviously, with the Dodgers. He did so well with the Indians and the Reds. And yeah, for a while, I think the Giants were pretty, like, on board. But that ended up being just a rumor. But yeah, so that still leaves the fact that he is not signed. And it's one about a week into summer camp. And he's hasn't been to any camp. So I'm, I'm kind of worried because, you know, I want he's a really beloved player of mine. Just being aside a Dodger fan, I just really love him as a player. I loved him as a Red. I love him as an Indian. And so, yeah, the Orioles manager even said there's a huge hole in the outfield. <laughs> so it's like oh god is that really a possibility but I'll get an Orioles jersey I don't care go Orioles that's what I have to say sign Puig hashtag sign Puig so I'm really curious about how that's going to play out it's just interesting to see what this is going to play out to be I think like there's some teams that are going to benefit from these 60 games there's some teams that aren't and um one of the teams that I was going to give a like a 
season preview for is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, they're usually, they're, they're kind of a wild card sometimes. They either show up or they don't. And um, I don't know. I think there's going to be something special out of there. They've got a whole new front office. They've got new managers, everything. So, I mean, I think something special is going to come out of there this year. Yeah, and I think that they just they just signed Nick Gonzalez, and then they have Cole Tucker. I know they got swept by the Dodgers last year, so I I can't really I didn't really watch a lot of their games. Not gonna lie, but um, yeah, with the signing of Nick Gonzalez and with stars like Cole Tucker, and you've got Brian Reynolds, Josh Re- Josh Bell. It's gonna be down to the bullpen. I haven't I don't know that much about their bullpen. Yeah, their bullpen has been a problem in the past. Their starting pitching has also, but I feel like this year they've got it kind of down. They've got a whole new pitching staff, whole new front office and everything. Okay. So I think I think a lot of the changes that need to be be made were the manager and everything like that. So hmm. I think there could be something special coming out of Pittsburgh this Interesting. year. Interesting. There's so many teams that I love watching because it's just so fun to see some of their talent. And stuff like I know Ashley loves Tim Anderson on the White Sox. She yeah. loves Manny Machado, <laughs> and so it's like fun to be able to watch other teams and be yeah. able to see like that talent across baseball. Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely going to be cool to see them. What's going to happen with the sixty-game season? I know. Because some guys that maybe last year had a great couple games and then fell off. This year, it's going to be different. Yeah, and it's like maybe they won't reach that fall-off moment. Honestly, we could get an Orioles player being the <laughs> LVP. Go Orioles, <laughs> go Marlins, until yes. the day I die. Go I will Orioles, go Marlins, go Pirates. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, no, it's going to be exciting overall. I think like the biggest things that are going to be, the, or the biggest changes that are going to affect the season the most are the shortened season kind of forcing a new bullpen strategy yes that is and as as well as the scheduling because like I mentioned before with the A's their um most of their games are at home and they're going to be playing the Astros the last few games at home Mm -hmm. and Astros are their biggest rival same thing with the Dodgers they're going to be playing the Angels I don't know if it's a home game or an away game they're going to be playing them the last three games. So those games are really crucial. And so and for the A's, it works in our favor. I don't know if it works in our favor for us, but we'll see. We're going to see. We're going to see what happens. I mean, we all know the Dodgers are just going to dinger, dinger, dinger off all you. And then Buster Posey did opt out of the season because his wife and him decided to adopt two girls that were in the NICU when they were born. They're twin girls and they are at a health risk for COVID. So he decided that what is best for his family is that he's going to stay home for the season, which I completely stand Mm -hmm. behind. I think it's the right decision for him. And honestly, even if he didn't have a reason, I don't mind any player opting out of this season. Right. It's, it's, it's so strange to me when I see comments about it. And I'm like, uh, like, what do you, like they, you know, they have absolutely the right, especially those with pregnant wives, those with young kids. Like, it's almost you. You would expect those folks. Unfortunately, you know, you would expect those. You would expect those guys to be opting out, and I fully support them. I think that's really brave of him. I'm sure it was such a burden on his 
shoulders. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can't imagine like what that must feel like, you know, not only for him, but Ian Desmond, David Price, you yeah. know, they all have families that they have to think about. So yes, definitely. And all the people that are sitting at home and saying that this is a stupid decision and bashing them for this, I'm sorry, they're going to be going away for 60 games, which I think made out to like 64 days or something like that. Right. But right. it's still, it's still a big deal for them because they come home to their families and they put them at risk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about, I guess that's kind of a segue into the other thing that's really interesting about what they're doing about COVID is we're now learning about how the the testing is being delayed and there was the 4th of July weekend and they were they gave out a statement um about that but um yeah that was like really discouraging to a lot of players again Sean sorry you hear bells it's Donna (laughs) um (laughs) I lost my train of thought Sean Doolittle oh um yeah, for example, Sean Doolittle was talking about it in a press conference conference recently. And he was asking, you know, is this even safe? You know, these tests are coming back days and days later. Some of them aren't even accurate. I think there was a Rangers player who had not not an accurate test, but they were giving him false positives. They were giving him false positives. So there's just been questioning going on about that. And I think the biggest thing is just to make sure everyone is doing what they need to do. They're staying where they need to stay. They're wearing the masks. And I think it could stay under control in that environment. Obviously, everywhere across the U.S., it's just insane. But I don't know. Hopefully they're getting a grip on it and hopefully hopefully they're getting a grip on the testing situation. Hopefully they're they can expedite all the tests. I feel like that would benefit them a lot. Yeah, it would just make I think it, it already players are uneasy about the season and just going into it and everything. But the fact that they can't get their test results on top of that, that's adding so much stress. Yeah. And so another interesting thing that they're doing is the taxi squad situation. And so Jessica uh, Kleinschmidt actually just wrote a piece about this and she talks about it in our interview. Um, And we talk about a bunch of other stuff about her jobs with FanDuel, about how she got her job at NBC and how she worked for Cut4 previously. And she has a really fascinating like work journey Um, She and I are very similar. We both didn't go to uh, college for the, for what we're doing. And we kind of paved our own path. And so I wanted to learn more about, more from her about how she did that, because I just find her so successful in that realm. And so here's our interview. Thank you for doing an interview with me. I was so excited. Oh, not a problem at all. Okay, cool. So I know you told me a lot about yourself last time we talked but I was wondering if you could just go over how you got the jobs that you got you can start from like where you went to college or where you went to high school and then college yeah so I actually didn't go to college um I yeah so I went to North Valley's high school in Reno Nevada which is a small community in a small town um so it was like I'm very I loved where I lived I loved growing up there but it was a really tough experience. Like, and I was just talking about this on our, on the corked up episode. Like I was so 
like the black sheep. I didn't fit in with anybody. I loved sports, but like, it was weird to be a girl who only wanted to hang out with dudes back then. And it was just like, well, why is she only hanging out with boys like what's her deal and there's a couple of girls that just thought I was sleeping with them when really it's like no these are like my bros like I play baseball with them and at my house that wasn't weird it was like my dad was like I know those are your guys or your freaking teammates like no so um I had a really tough time with that um but I just I realized like I needed to embrace that instead of being so against everything I needed to be like okay well maybe there's something better out there for you but I did try to go to school I've always wanted to work and to be a journalist I loved talking and I loved figuring stories out I loved storytelling and I, I loved writing I still love writing um but I was a shitty student I hated school so I was still playing softball after I graduated high school but it was like a tournament team so I was getting scouted by colleges but I was like my dad's like, hey, they're interested in you. I was like, yeah, but it's like a, a a JC and I would only go to play sports and I don't I wouldn't want them to like baby me because I was on the team and it wasn't like a big, you know, I don't know. So it was like whatever. And no scholarships. So I was like, why would I do that? Yeah. I actually started working for the government when I was 15. So I was still in um, but I worked there until I was 24. So I was there for a long time. And then it was then, so eight years in the government, like looks good on a resume for sure. But it was just like, I, um, I was like, I, I like went to work one day and I'm, my best friend that I worked with, we're still really close. I actually was just texting her and she was like, I was looking at her and I said, I don't want to work here anymore. I think I'm going to quit and move to the Bay area and start this career. And she was like, Okay. So I, I thought I had this mentality during my coffee break in the morning and I went to my boss's office, who was like a mom to me and told her I was ready to be done. And she was like, no, like stay, like we'll pay for your schooling. Like, just don't like, we really want to keep you, which was great. I felt loved. I was like, no. So I decided to move to the Bay area. I did not get hired on by anybody. Nothing. <laughs> like I just thought I'd be like, well, like I wrote, I write three blogs a day, so I should just get hired. Right. <laughs> either the A's or the Giants and it didn't happen that way so weird because I now that I think about it it was like that was supposed to happen but just maybe not if you tell a few years down the road right <laughs> I end up like just I'm trying to like move on and like do my thing but I lived there for a year and I hated it it was not a good time so I moved back to Reno and that's where I first big gig for FanDuel and FanDuel it's a fantasy sports website but it's actually it's content they make content and so I got my first gig and it was this guy, uh, his name's Injury Expert on Twitter, Will Carroll. And he's like, he was always like messaging me. He's like, I just, there's something about you. Like, I feel like I need to help you out. And I was like, sure. And he's like, no, I just, I see something in you. I think something's going to happen. And then he hired me and um, it was like a thousand bucks a month or $1,500 a month, which at that time was like huge on top of working odd jobs. Right. And so it was a great, great experience because I had a really good editor, Matt uh, Musico, who I still talk to all the time. Um, and he really helped me with my uh, writing because like I didn't go to school for it. So I was just, I was a good writer, but I wasn't a, I didn't know what like my voice was. And I was so scared to like write just like Jess. I was trying to be a good reporter, but I was like, just if you like, just write how you're supposed to write, Jess, it's not difficult. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Just because I'm curious, because I feel like I have, you know, that same issue. Um, yeah, yeah. Like how, how, like, important it was for you to find someone that can, like, kind of mentor you in a situation where you're like, I literally didn't go to school for this, but I know that I can do it. 
Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So he just saw something in me. I don't know what it was. And he'd just be like, he'd like see some of my blogs and he's like, there's something here. I just know that there's something here. And then, so he actually was able to be, do the hiring for this FanDuel project. And it was huge. We hired all kinds of writers and talent and uh, it was a huge investment to blow up FanDuel. And that was when it was always FanDuel and DraftKings. Yeah. Uh, Shoals were just like right. I was getting sick of them, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and and then so that was a really cool experience. I think I was there for about a year, year and a half. Um, I did get laid off along with like everybody else, but still talking to Will because Will was still kind of in the in the industry, and he still is. Mm-hmm. He's really good about like injuries and stuff, and I'm always curious about like when these players get injured. Um, but. I think it was more or less like, I feel like he had nothing to gain from helping me out. I couldn't do anything for him, which was, which is when I knew he, he genuinely saw something in me. Mm-hmm. I was so curious and I was so hungry and I was willing to work my ass off and right. just do it the right way, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately why he kind of took me underneath his wing. And um, after FanDuel, I was freelancing for six months and I was like applying for all kinds of jobs. And nothing was happening. And I was actually on the phone with Melanie Newman. Now she's the Orioles broadcaster. And um, I was telling her, I was like, you know what, Mel? Like, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. Like, I gave it six months. I was contacting the government again, seeing if I can go back. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I was desperate, I had no money. And um, then as I was on the phone talking to Melanie, I had like four missed calls. One was from a newspaper in the Midwest that wanted to hire me as their sports writer. Another, and I did get a job offer for a small paper in Oregon, but I was like, it was like $20,000 a year. And I was like, I cannot live off of that. Even if I I wasn't high maintenance, Jess, like. (laughs) And so um, then um, I also got another call from like a legal place. I don't know. Mm-hmm. A missed call from a New York number and I was like that's weird and it was um mlb.com cut four reaching out to offer me a job and it was funny because I get the voicemail and he leaves okay leaves me his cell phone number too and I'm like I'm assuming he's giving me a cell phone number because he I got the job I don't know but I got it and I was elated it was like the coolest yeah. thing ever and I actually talked to Will that day because I called him crying saying like, I'm, I've tried, I tried. And he even told me, he was like, no, like you've got this, like don't stop. And mm-hmm. three hours later, I got to call him and saying, just kidding, I'm back in it. And um, so I was with MLB for about a year and a half. And that's when NBC recruited me. And it was really weird. Like I randomly woke up one day and I was like, I feel like I need to open my DMs. Like I feel like my DMs need to be open, mm-hmm. which as a female, as yeah. a woman, it's like, hmm. it's scary. It's scary. two hours later I get this message and it's from the NBC sports guy and he's like hey we have some job openings and I'm thinking he's like telling me if I like knew anybody and I was like do you want me to recommend somebody he's like well no I'm asking if you would like to apply and it was a really fast process and the next thing you know like I'm working for NBC sports Mm -hmm. um it was a it was a tough transition though like but I'm glad I did it because I wanted to be challenged and Mm -hmm. MLB so easy for me but I wanted to learn the other sports like just in case and now now I'm glad I did because with the the quarantine I was able to cover cover other sports so another thing I wanted to ask I guess it's not really a question it's more so an observation from me but I don't know I feel like when someone asks 
like, oh, how does it feel to be like a girl in your field? Like, do you ever feel like that's a weird question? I'm wondering your, I don't know if you've ever felt a certain way. It depends on who's asking it. If it's an older man, I know he immediately wants me to be like, oh, the clubhouse is so awkward or something like that, you know? That's the only time where I get annoyed. But um, a lot of times it's just like, I I forget that I'm a girl and not that I forget I'm a girl, but it's like, oh, I forget there's all these things that it's like, because Rachel and I talk about all the time. Like for me, I can't just Mm -hmm. wake up and go do my job. And I wish I could, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to look cute. I don't want to look like shit. Right. And like, so I'll be doing my makeup at the field knowing I have a TV thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't feel guilty about that anymore. I used okay, to, right. I, I so bad, like badly wanted to be like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Like I have to do my makeup, but I'm like, the guys next to me that are going on TV have to do makeup too. Yeah. So it's like, we're yeah. all doing it and they all know, like, I just don't feel bad anymore. It's like, this is part of my job. This is what I want to do. I do not want to look crappy on TV. I don't want to. If I feel confident, I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel bad. And I don't want to have to feel guilty. Like, I'm not going to dress like a, like inappropriately, but I want to look cute when I go because you're representing yourself. And I always like to dress cute and you're representing the place that you yes. work for too. Right. So it's always a thing that you have to think about. Yeah. And I guess that's a good segue into my next question that I was going to ask, because I feel like me personally, like, I, not that I'm not, I don't have a professional personality because I could definitely turn that on, but just my general personality, like I'm loud and I like to talk to people and my, I feel like, I don't know, I always question if there is like a space for someone like me in baseball can be themselves. Like exactly. And that's, so I'm asking you that and like, there absolutely has to be. And I feel like that's what sucks. It's just a worse stigma ever because it's hard to find the balance. And I was on a, a podcast recently where they asked me like, how do you find the podcast of being funny, but you have to be knowledgeable too. So I have no idea how I do it. I don't, but I want it for me. I want people to feel comfortable where they want to listen to me for five minutes or two hours. Right. And I was thinking about that. Cause like I have a podcast where I'm with one of my close friends, we drink wine and talk shit, but we also talk about, real stuff. I learn from her every single day. And but we'll talk about this. And the next, you know, we're like, God, we're kind of buzzed. But then for me too, it's no different. I do that. But then I have to go on A's pregame and do an analysis about, you know, Ramon Laureano's throwing, throwing. And it's just like, how I do that, I have no idea. And so yeah, can you take me through that process? So let's say you're filming or you're recording with Rachel and you guys are drinking and stuff and then the next morning you have something due is it like are you just very good at time management or is yeah. it like yeah. it's stupid how good I am at time yeah. management and quarantine's actually helped a lot because when when I work in the city I have an hour and a half commute each way and the three hours a day now I could be doing these or doing these interviews and stuff a lot of more on-camera stuff too but um it's yeah it's a lot of insane insane time management and understanding what I'm what I'm doing and stuff um but it's also kind of like a cool Tetris thing too like I like like oh I can squeeze this in because I have this right after and then if I have two camera things I can do that and I have a makeup done for two things oh and- I'm the same exact way on my thing like I literally have like blocks of things yes. yeah. so it's, it's kind of like that and it just becomes a fun challenge and you want to squeeze everything in however I do also know how to say no not all the time but mainly, especially if it's like a woman who wants to know about getting in the sports world, I'll always make time for them. Um, but, you know, other things where it's like, 
you know, certain things I do believe I deserve to be paid for, you know, certain appearances and stuff. Like if I'm putting a lot of effort into doing something, my agent gets so mad when I don't get paid for that stuff. And he's right. Like I'm valued. I'm valued, you know, if I'm doing, but you know, it's, I don't know. I think I'm just built weird. I don't know. But at the end of the day, like I, I'm confident in my knowledge. I'm confident in asking questions and I'm very confident in admitting when I'm wrong the same time I'm so I'm very comfortable with who I am the good the bad and the annoying like if I I don't feel bad about putting myself out there whether it's offering analysis being doing jokes or a conference call or anything like that like I just feel like it's taken me a long time to get here and that's why I'm not scared of anything so if you want me to want me to do something I'll go do it. Yeah. And I feel like that's definitely where I'm at now. It's like, I'm in that stage of where I feel like I'm capable of doing things. And now I'm just like in the applying myself stage. So what are some of the most fun things you've written about in the past few months? But my most favorite thing I've written probably my entire career is the mound meeting story. And it was like, I talked to 10 like a, like a former manager, pitchers, catchers, big names. And a lot of them are really excited to tell me these stories, you know, that's probably my favorite thing I've written about um, so far. And then um, I got an exclusive about Brandon Ayuk, who is from Reno and he got drafted by the 49ers. So I was sitting there like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. And the best part about that was when I talked to his coach, his coach was like, I did my, my homework on you. And my, I guess one of his colleagues is from the Bay area he, he hosts like a a hitting clinic or something and he was like Jessica Kleinschmidt get that interview she's great and so I was like oh, that's interesting maybe I should talk to him and the coach wasn't going to talk to me until he like vetted me which is important I yeah. think so cool. yeah but then that's awesome he was able to vet me and have people speak for me and be like you need to interview with her they said like I was knowledgeable and I was funny and and she's like I'm an up-and-comer which like I'm 31 I feel like I'm there like I don't want to be oh my god that still baffles me that I keep thinking you're younger than me that's I know it's kind of funny and you just keep telling me actually over and over again. <laughs> okay yeah, so, yeah and so that was really cool and then just like being able to go outside my box and like write about Steph Curry and have his PR people message me like, Hey, we have this. Do you mind writing this about Steph? Mm-hmm. And they know I write about baseball full time, but I will always write about Steph and Aisha. Like no problem. <laughs> yeah. And it's just been okay. kind of cool to get out of my comfort zone and, and all of that. So that kind of stuff has been really cool. But I think recently has, um, and I guess like the A stuff's coming up too. So I'll be able to do all that. But all the stuff I covered at spring training was really fun. And I did a lot of one-on-ones with the guys um, heading into spring training. And I don't remember what I wrote about because it was like forever ago. But that stuff was really cool. I love exclusives just because like, not only do I get the story, but I feel like I have a connection with them in that moment. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. That was another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, or I guess this, my next question will kind of answer that. So you were a fan of the A's when you initially like went into wanting to do sports or did you have a team that you liked? Yeah. So like when I was young, like I just told my dad, I was really young. I was like, dad, I'm going to be the next Bonnie Bernstein. And that was back when all women were only allowed to be silent reporters. That was like literally it. And so, and he's from, we're from Baltimore. So he loved Bonnie Bernstein. I think he liked to get a little crush on her actually. And, <laughs> and so as, when I was 12, he got these, these free tickets to an A's game. And, um, I don't remember why he got the tickets. He's, he was the president of our little league 
and it was like little league day. So a bunch of people around got him. And, um, and so we drove during the day, we'd get down there. And right as I sit down, Eric Chavez hits a bomb. And I'm like, who the hell was that? And then I see him go to third base. And that was when I transitioned from first to third base. So I was like, oh my gosh, he plays the same position as me. And I looked at the, it was really weird. So it was a, there was a, like a, I don't know, a program. It hadn't been touched. It was brand spanking new on the ground. Like somebody dropped it. Like, I like wiped all this, this the seeds off and I look and Eric Chavez and I share a birthday and I was like oh my gosh and then I look and it says uh, he says like where they live and it said Mark Kotze lives in Reno and he was playing center field and I was like dad I think I love this team I don't know and then and then right after that um I think I saw Milton Bradley make a diving catch and it made mm-hmm. center top 10 and I was there yeah and, um like two weeks later it's such a funny story because I totally forgot this story happened until I talked about it on the radio a couple weeks ago. But I was sitting on the couch and my dad had this like really shitty chair, this rocking chair that he like loved. My brother has it now. And I, he was, I was like watching the game, but I was like changing it to something else. He's like, why are you changing the game? And I was like, I don't know. I feel kind of weird like watching the game. And he's like, Jess, like, that's a good thing. If you like baseball, fucking like watch it. And I was like, okay like all right and then he goes I'm really proud that you're watching it like this is cool like you actually want to do this like you should get into it and he's proud that I was actually doing it and he never pushed me to to play sports you know because I eventually played but he was just like if you want to do it cool but then the reason why I played is because he needed my brother needed an outfielder and I was like I'll do it I just don't want to and I threw the ball and I was like and I, my dad who was coaching he looked at me he was like I was like oops I'm addicted this yeah. Were you a good outfielder? I was a shitty outfielder, oh. but I was an amazing infielder. I could catch and throw like yeah. you wouldn't believe, but I wasn't um, like fly balls. Yeah. I was a really good outfielder. I had a really good arm and I was a catcher at one point, but I was not good at hitting and I was really fast. So they always had me at a, as a runner, but oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that was kind of cool from that perspective, but yeah. um, he, uh, yeah, I was an Ace fan, and then I was born in Baltimore, so I was a Ravens fan. I'm still, yeah, not a hard throw one, but now that I'm covering the Niners and like I know a lot about them, I'm like definitely pulling for them. And yeah, but no, I was born in Baltimore, so it was a lot of Colts and and Ravens stuff growing up. And you know, obviously we loved the Orioles too. And so when Melanie got the job, my mother was ecstatic. And um, yeah, so and then of course, you know, I love all the baseball teams, and I was working. For I'll be. It was it was such a cool experience to find a reason to love each team. Yeah. So like when you get assigned at your at the job at NBC, when you do you get assigned like a piece or do you pitch it to someone? Both. Both. Both? Okay, cool. Yeah. A lot of stuff is like, you know, pop culture stuff or like Steph mm-hmm. Curry posted a cute thing with Aisha mm-hmm. or, you know, um, and but a lot of the stuff like I've come up on my on my own, especially I mean loved articles write itself and um, over quarantine I was able to figure out like different angles to write about Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so it's a mixture of both yeah and because I saw your article I think you posted it today about the taxi system Um, yeah yeah and so I thought that was really interesting just because I've never I've always heard them talk about it but I'm like I never knew what it really meant yeah and I really didn't either but like it was my editor who thought of the idea he's like well why don't it work because it's a different situation right now right with with and I was like, that's a really good idea. And it's me out. And then, you know, just because you always hear the term taxi squad, but now we're hearing it 
way more. Could you do like a brief explanation of what the taxi system is going to be this year since it's going to be different? Yeah. So it's just going to be, you know, three players. One has to be a catcher and this individual will probably, I guess, serve as a bullpen catcher while the guys are on the road. But the reason why they have these three guys is so they don't have to worry about traveling um, and flying commercial. So they'll have these three guys like just, just ready and willing to go. That way they're not like exposed to possible, you know, of coronavirus. And, um, but it's usually more than likely, it's like a baby minor league squad, if you will, because it's, it's originated from football. So football and the Cleveland Browns developed it where the, the these guys, they didn't want to cut them, but they didn't want to have them on the roster. So now that there obviously is no minor league baseball, uh, they can keep track of where these guys are at all times. They're not going to be exposed. And then the pitchers have somebody to throw to no matter what. So it's a, there's always going to be a catcher. And then the other two could either be two pitchers or one pitcher and a position player, what have you. But at least these guys are going to be, they know where they are. Like nothing's going to happen. And then they can keep the, the pitchers loose and everything like that. And they don't have to worry about these guys like flying all over God's green earth on Southwest. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I, yeah, I've always heard about it and I kind of understood that it was like kind of just to keep the players. I, I mean, I was under the impression. The taxi was because the Browns owner um, also owned a taxi company. So he put these guys who weren't actually on the roster. He put them on the taxi cabs, like company payroll so then it was called the taxi squad, but then the NFL ultimately adopted it. So oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. That's, right. Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I guess I have one other fun question. So you're an A's fan. Would you consider that your team? Uh, yes. Okay. If you have to be a fan of any other team and buy their jersey, which team would it be and what jersey would you get? <laughs> hate jerseys i think they're so stupid i think you had to if you had to you had to i don't know because i'm like i like the easy one would be a reds jersey for joey Votto. oh oh good one easy one but like probably one of my best friends plays for the white Sox, so probably an evan marshall jersey because i love thank you so much for this interview i really really appreciate it yeah if you need anything else just let me know I will. Thank you again for all the advice and everything. It's awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to us this week. Um, We just want to ask that you please rate us. Um, We are now on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. Mm -hmm. So if you could give us a couple stars, that would be great. Thanks. Um, (laughs) You can keep up to date with us on Instagram, Twitter, and our blog. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.